What's a lie you've been told about mental health? Or what's a lie that you've told about mental health? Maybe you don't even know what lies you've been told yet. And if that's the case, don't worry, you're not alone. You're also not at fault, by the way. We don't normalize mental health conversations, much less mental health education or counseling. So it's not easy to tell what's true and what isn't. But you're in the right place to start to do just that. Hi, I'm Dr. Shayna. I'm a mental health counselor, educator, and advocate, and I'd like to wish you a warm welcome to the mental wellness practice. In this episode, we're going to begin to look straight into the eyes of stigma as we tackle common stereotypes and misconceptions you've been led to believe about mental health. We will delve into five common misconceptions about mental health and help seeking. Then, as we delve into each, we'll explore the cause of why someone might believe them. And of course, we'll directly tackle what makes them untrue. As always, at the end, we'll tie up with a few ideas for how you can be a truth seeker in your mental wellness practice. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only, and if you're struggling with a mental health problem, please seek professional help. For more information, you can reach out to me at drshana.com or find me on Insta at drshana. Thanks for learning and growing with me. A quick note before we jump in. Throughout this episode, I'll be using counseling and therapy interchangeably and likely for future episodes. Now, if you're distracted thinking, well, geez, what's the difference between those two things anyway? Send me some feedback because maybe you'll hear an entire episode on that sometime. But until then, this current list is comprised of misconceptions that I have tackled time and time again with clients, loved ones, students, strangers, and definitely I've taken that dive to tackle them with myself as well. This list isn't all-encompassing by any means, but it's an attempt to debunk false ideas that may hinder you and your loved ones from cultivating mental wellness. Number one, just talking about my problems won't do anything. On the surface, this can be true, but yet psychotherapy isn't just talking. I know that's confusing because we often call it talk therapy, but hear me out. Therapists are trained in the art of language and communication, and with your goals in mind, clinicians can have intentional discussions around your concerns. If you're in therapy and it seems like you're just talking, you may not be detecting the carefully crafted conversation that's allowing you to discuss key elements of your presenting problem, brainstorm solutions, and create a plan. If the conversation feels effortless, this may be due to an excellent therapeutic bond. That type of rapport is critical in fostering the ability to grow. Nevertheless, if therapy feels like it's just chatting with a friend and nothing more, and you're not seeing any growth over time, it is possible that your selected helper isn't the right fit for your therapeutic goals. This common misconception is usually said by people before actually trying therapy. And I understand why they're trying to make sense of what therapy really is and what really happens because as you'll hear me say time and time again here in the mental wellness practice, 
We don't learn enough about mental health education and counseling. So therefore we don't know what to expect, but I hope I've clarified a bit about that. But also if you're not sure, you could always ask a prospective provider in your initial appointment. Number two, I already have a good support system. Therapy won't add any value. Social support is definitely an influential aspect of mental health. I spend a lot of time helping clients create support systems, but therapy doesn't end once we have those connections. Our loved ones are not trained professionals. Psychotherapists are specifically trained in the art of listening, problem solving, and displaying non-judgmental, unbiased attitudes. The people you consider in your support system likely really care about you. A lot of them probably love you. And that's wonderful. Love in and of itself is quite therapeutic, but it isn't the golden ticket to know how to help someone, especially if they're struggling with their mental health. Now, perhaps your loved one is a therapist and you may think you found the ultimate hack. But due to the difficulty of being unbiased and unbalanced or being balanced, unbiased and balanced. Yeah, that's the combination. Therapists should not provide services to their loved ones. Therefore, even if you do have a psychotherapist in your life, they really shouldn't be serving that role for you. Now, on the other hand, such handy professionals can be excellent resources if you're seeking a referral. Number three, therapy is for crazy people. This stigma riddled statement is so cringeworthy. It's truly hard for me to say, but it's still among the most common misconceptions I hear when it comes to mental health. Society's perception of those who seek mental health care often involves images of someone who lacks the capacity to think clearly hold a job, live independently, be a loving parent or partner, and so on. And yes, individuals dealing with those concerns might be in therapy, but so are thousands of others who do not fit that picture. This distinct black and white functioning versus non-functioning view of mental health care can cause serious symptoms to go unchecked. And going unchecked means it's only getting worse. Just because a person is, air quotes, fully functioning, I know I can't see me doing it, but I really am doing the quotes over here. (laughs) Maybe a video podcast will be in the future because I'm using my hands a lot over here. But anyway, just because a person is fully functioning, can you see it now? Doesn't mean that they can't grow in therapy. Number four. Therapists only tell people what to do. Now, I really get this one and why people believed it, because I certainly believed this lie. My first provider was not super helpful in making me think otherwise. I really didn't realize that therapists and advice didn't go together like peanut butter and jelly until I myself was in a grad program in clinical mental health. I think about all of you who aren't in the field, and I wonder, how could you really not think otherwise? The only way that I really learned about what goes on in therapy was from movies and shows, and it seemed like 
every example I saw was related to advice giving. Now, I will say in recent times, I have been observing this getting better. There are some really great examples of non-advice giving therapists who are really incredible about rapport and encouragement either way. Shows like Never Have I Ever, Big Little Lies, Ginny and Georgia, or some that come off the top of my head. The worst example I saw recently was Shrink Next Door. Like, oh, I get that's the point, but eesh, gosh, it was so bad. Okay, now I'm on my soapbox of how I'm unhappy with how we portray therapy in pop culture. So I'm going to rein myself back in. But if this is something that piques your interest, let me know. <laughs> but the truth is that a good therapist will often avoid giving advice. They're obligated to honor and foster your independence. And many times telling people directly what to do goes against that. They're more likely to prompt, probe, reflect, connect, encourage, challenge, and motivate before they give any advice. For an ethical provider, it's definitely not the only thing they're doing. Now, advice giving may vary based on the therapist's experience, methodology, but typically therapy is a collaborative process. A skilled provider will help you to learn how to make decisions for yourself so you don't have to come in depending on them to give you direction during challenging situations. They will help you build on the strengths that you have and keep moving you in the right direction. Number five, all therapy is the same. While there may be familiar elements in the first few sessions especially, like discussing confidentiality and explaining your concerns. Counseling varies from one session to another and from one clinician to another. Even between two providers that are trained at the same institution using the same theoretical approach, there are so many variables that can cause them to be different. Area of expertise, personality, personal experiences, I could go on. Along those lines, you change over time. And you're a pretty important variable in therapy. Many would say the most important. If you didn't like your provider one time or your experience one time, it may not have anything to do with the provider or the method. I've heard this statement said a lot by people who tried therapy and didn't find the right match. I didn't like my first therapist either, as you've heard, and it's hard to imagine where I would be without the one I have today. So please don't give up on therapy just because you haven't found the right person for you yet. They're out there. Keep going. From listening to these misconceptions, it's possible you have the impression that these are pretty bad and they can be pretty dangerous. And it's also possible that you're having the impression and the thought, well, what's so bad about these? especially if it's one time, right? One time may not mean much or one little thought, but it's rare for that to be the case. When we think about these lies, we're often told it over and over from different sources. It becomes so common that we can even become the messenger and we carry these lies. And it's not just one lie at a time, right? It's the various lies. I mentioned that these five are some of the most common that I experience. 
And I also honor that this is not an exhaustive list at all. There's so many more and they can all add up. When they add up, what happens is that we diminish the importance of mental health. Remember that spectrum that we talked about in episode one? And if not, this might be a good opportunity for you to pause here, go back there and come back here. (laughs) But these lies can inhibit us from realizing that our mental health is important, which in turn makes it makes us more susceptible to mental health illness. And it can cause us to overlook the value of mental wellness altogether. So not only are these lies, but they're dangerous too. If you're worried about these misconceptions and the consequences of them, know that it's not really the misconceptions that's the problem for your individual mental health. It's the lack of being able to catch them and shift. So in our activity today, I would like to move us into doing just that. You can start by making a list of all of the lies you've ever believed or heard about mental health. This checklist can be a great starting point but as I mentioned a few times, it is not exhaustive by any means. Be patient with yourself as you're making this list. It might be hard to sit with some of these truths and sit with things that you've believed. And you know, you might have different thoughts popping by in your head and one saying, yep, that's a thought. And another being like, oh gosh, I, I can't believe I even believe that. You know, I mentioned to you earlier, it's even hard for me to say the words therapy is just for crazy people. Like it's, it's hard for me to say that. So it may be challenging for you to catch yourself in some of these things too. So face yourself, of course, once you have your list, consider the roots. Where did these lies come from? I mentioned earlier that many of us have multiple sources at a time. So be open to that in case it applies. Did you hear your parents say it, other loved ones, teachers, coaches? Was it from a show? Did you see it on a social media post? Is it possible that you can't even figure out or pinpoint where it came from? The ones that are most bold in your mind are likely because you heard them over time by lots of people and from people or sources that are important to you. After you look at roots, consider looking at the scope, not just for your personal experience, but where did these root from, right? So you have the root in itself. Say you recognize, oh, pretty much everyone in my family believes in this. And when we say everyone, like not just my generation, the generation before me and the generation before me, and I'm willing to guess the generation before me too. Well, where do you think they learned that from? It's more of an exercise in curiosity, but you might be able to find some of these wider level influences, history, culture that might start to surface. Start to think about that. And then finally, it's important for us to give ourselves the opportunity to flip the script. What are the truths, right? So I mentioned that even from brainstorming the list, you might start to catch yourself and shift from, okay, I actually have believed that. I honor that I believe that. Goodness, I even take accountability for saying that. However, 
I know in my heart of hearts and in my clearest mind that that's not true. And write out what that truth is. I challenge you to try to flip the script for every single untruth that you uncover. I hope you found this episode helpful. And if so, please remember to subscribe and rate. Thank you for learning and growing with me. And I'll meet you soon in the mental wellness practice.